It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios, welcome, Sandy. Thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. And you still like me or you you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You're all right. (laughs) I'm a musician. I can't help it. Uh, Longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth. In America, wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. We don't have a fight between Republicans and Democrats anymore. We have a fight between Washington, D.C. and the rest of America. Just take this pipeline, Sean. That was an intelligence failure by the, by the Biden administration. A total intelligence failure that is now impacting millions of people in the pocketbook. They've got to get it together. They've got to be held to account by the Washington media. There should be no more double standards. The American people see it. Yeah, that was uh, former Ambassador Rick Grinnell, and I certainly agree with him on the the business about Washington uh, being the center of all things wicked right now. I've said that to you several ways and several different times, and they are at war with the states, no question about it, and the Colonial Pipeline is a great example of that. And remember that Joe Biden's first order, first order was to stop the Keystone Pipeline. And so when you're lining up for gasoline or you're looking at the prices, listen, it's not subtle. It's not subtle. It's not a mystery as to why we're in this position. You remember that when President Trump was uh, in office, we were energy-free. We were the envy of the world. We were exporting. We were putting Saudi Arabia uh, to shame and all the Middle Eastern uh, oil fields because of our, our shale and our ability to develop our resources, but no, not now. No, 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 not now. Our people, you, are having to wait in line for hours just to get gasoline, just to get to your jobs, take your children to school. And uh, trust me, the Biden administration, for all of their bluster about this, doesn't really care because, as I've told you before, their goal is to stop you from driving cars, except electric cars. That is their goal. Just remember that at all times. They don't want you burning fossil fuels. They don't want fossil fuels to be used uh, for anything. They want us to um, do follow the pattern of Britain, which, as Katie Hopkins recently told me, uh, they can only drive uh, seven miles within a seven-mile radius of where they live. And cars that uh, are driven by fossil fuels are now—you can't buy them. You can't buy cars that burn diesel. Car, you can only—you know, you have used cars. You can buy used cars, but no new cars. It's all electric. And so, trust me, this is not as innocent. I'm just, I can't prove this. I'm speculating, but I'm speculating on things that we know to be true. This is the environmentalist not dream is to do away with these big gas guzzling cars and go to electric. Uh, and so, I think that's part of the issue here. Plus, uh, the Biden administration is blaming the companies. This is a cyber attack, as you know. Uh, there was a, a, a ransom. I don't know if the company paid a ransom or not because Colonial Pipeline is now back in business. Uh, they're going to start, uh, I think, in production, mm, I think maybe today. But that doesn't mean that you'll be able to get gasoline. It's going to take a few days to get this thing you know, rolling. The, the pipeline, as it were, in a different way, is uh, kind of things moving in the pipeline and getting it to the gas pumps and getting it into your car. It will take a little bit of time. 
But still, this is this is the beginning of cyber attacks on our infrastructures, and uh, we, I hope to do a show about that maybe even next week about what's happening with these these companies, these criminals. Uh, who are they, and uh, why are they gaining traction, and why is no one fighting back? Meanwhile, uh, Jennifer Granholm, uh, who was the Secretary of Energy, <laughs> said something very interesting yesterday. Now, remember, the Biden administration stopped the Keystone Pipeline. It must be stopped. It must be stopped at all costs for some reason. Uh, some reason. I can't even remember the reason they gave us, but I just told you what the reason is, the real reason. Jennifer Granholm kind of slipped a little bit. She represents the Biden administration, and this is what she said yesterday morning. What is the feasibility of using rail cars to transport fuel into the affected areas? I know that's being looked at. The DOT is looking at that, and so we'll have to wait till their analysis is done. Um, these, these are not easy solutions because um, there may or may not be the right uh, rail cars. There may not or may not be the deep water ports available for the Jones Act to be able to respond. So this particular area of the country, there, this is why we have um, doubled down on ensuring that there's an ability to truck uh, oil in, gas in. But it's, it's, uh, the pipe is the best way to go, and so that's why um, Hopefully, this company, uh, Colonial, will, in fact, uh, be able to restore operations by the end of the week, as they have said. What? 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 The Secretary of Energy, Jennifer Granholm, said the pipeline is the best way to go. You know, I guess you think about it. It would be hard to truck uh, gas and oil in if you can't buy gas and oil. I mean, I just call me crazy, but that would be a little bit difficult, don't you think? So maybe she's right, but maybe she needs to pick up the phone and call her boss. And tell him that pipelines are the best method. But no, uh, that's not going to happen. And you're going to consider cons- this whole time that Joe Biden is in office. And if he remains in office and if the left maintains control, this is where we're headed. Just don't don't be deceived. And people, you know, people want to make this all about President Trump. And if the Trump supporters are just blind loyalists to him. It has nothing to do with President Trump. He heralded and championed wonderful policies that were common sense, good business practice that worked. And we loved that about him. We still love that about him. And we knew that when Joe Biden was elected, it would be looking like this. That's why we fought so hard, because we love our country, because we love our Constitution, not because we're devoted to a person. And yet they want to reduce it to that. And I'll get back to that later today. But uh, meanwhile, Gretchen Whitmer, never, never to disappoint, never to disappoint the governor of Michigan, has ordered a Canadian company to shut down their oil pipeline despite the shortages. She's giving Enbridge, uh, it's, uh, the, they run the pipeline known as Line 5, until Wednesday to shut down amid fears that it could spill any day. Enbridge, however, said the pipeline has been in operation for 67 years and has not once had a leak. Okay, so, but... Gretchen Whitmer is determined it must be shut down because it's dangerous. And, uh, yeah, so uh, they're threatening this company, and I don't know what's going to happen with that, but that's more of the same. Those of you in Michigan, I'm so sorry. You have such a rotten governor who is all, you know, bought into this. She's a zealot, and uh, you're you're reaping the bitter fruits of having that kind of a zealot. Uh, That's what happens when we elect people like that. That's what happens, has happened as a result of us being asleep at the wheel and not paying attention 
not doing our civic, living lives. I don't really, I don't really mean this as a condemnation, but I'm just saying this is a reality. You've been living your lives, you know, earning a living, taking care of your families. Uh, you know, we we've, we've been told for years. We, you know, Dr. Dobson, who I love, was focused on the family. We devoted ourselves to family, but we neglected our citizenship. And uh, this is what's happened. We neglected it, and we got horrible people running our states, our governments, and certainly in Washington. And so uh, we have to take it back, and that's what we're working on. Um, all right, so a, a real interesting story just broke this morning uh, in my inbox. Well, <laughs> it broke other places too, but it broke in my inbox because Jay Kaufman is a good friend. Jake is uh, a, a new state rep out in Arizona, and we've been following that uh, recount in Maricopa County. So is the rest of the country. You know, Maricopa County has really resisted the, the state Senate in Arizona asking for all this information in order to do the recount. They've hired um, – it's a very sophisticated process. It's very impressive, I have to tell you. And so they've brought in these cyber companies to um, – hired them as contractors, and they've been working in this big facility to do the recount. But uh, you know that the Justice Department sent a letter threatening them that they needed to stop doing that. And then Maricopa County, the second thing, uh, reviews, refused to give them the routers, and now we're finding out a lot more things about that. In fact, the breaking update uh, while we were sleeping was that Maricopa County deleted a directory full of election databases from the 2020 election days before the election equipment was delivered to the audit. Maricopa County deleted a directory full of election databases from the 2020 election before the election equipped just days before the election equipment was delivered to the audit. Okay, so the state, uh, the head of the state Senate, uh, Karen Fan, she's the Senate president, wrote now to the chairman of the Maricopa Board of Supervisors, and this um, this is the letter. I'm writing to seek your assistance and cooperation in the resolution of three serious issues that have arisen in the course of the Senate's ongoing audit of the returns. And uh, she itemizes these. It's a long letter, so I can't go into all of it, but uh, she accuses them of reneging on their commitment to fully comply with this, with the subpoena that was issued by uh, under the, the authority of Judge Thomason. Um, uh, to date, attorneys from Maricopa County have refused to provide virtual images of routers used in connection with the general election. And uh, I'll make this quick. Uh, they they basically said, oh, we can't, now we can't do that because that would release personal information, put police, and uh, it would da- endanger people's lives. And we know now that that's just not true. And so in spite of that, Karen Fan, who's the Senate president, has said, okay, uh, that's that's kind of a far stretch that you would uh, put people's personal information on routers involved in you know the election count, but so let, we propose that we'll come where you are. We'll inv- we'll investigate them there, and we will bring our contractors, and they will never leave your custody. And we can. Ad- so how about that? So then um, they talk about the bags in which the ballots were stored are not sealed, although the audit team has found at the bottom of many boxes cut seals of the type that would have sealed a ballot bag. Why were this, these seals placed at the bottom? Most of the ballot boxes were sealed merely with regular tape and not secured by any kind of tamper evidence state seal. Is that the county's customary practice? The audit team has encountered a significant number of instances where there's disparity between the actual number of ballots contained in a batch and the total denoted on the pink report slip accompanying, accompanying the batch. In most of these instances, the total of the pink report slip is greater than the number of ballots in the batch. <clears throat> what are the reasons 
for these discrepancies. And then we discovered that the entire database directory for the D drive has been deleted. This removes election-related details that appear to have been covered by the subpoena. Can you please advise us why these folders were deleted and where there are any backups that may contain the deleted photos uh, folders? So there you go. That's what's happening in Maricopa. And I want to make a point uh, by telling you this story. Uh, I'm going to kind of bang this theme again. This is happening because there are local officials who've been elected who are fighting. Uh, Jay Kaufman is one of them. Uh, Karen Fan is one of them. Uh, the, lo- the people in Arizona decided to fight back by electing some really good people who then went in and energized, I think, existing, sitting, you know, uh, so-called conservatives. They are conservatives. They're just asleep at the wheel and energized them. And that's how this came about. And the people of Arizona are demanding to know answers as well. It's not just the uh, uh, people in the Senate. It's the people of Arizona in Maricopa County who want to know what happened. And they're demanding that something be done about that. So um, local, local, local. And uh, I've told you, and we've heard from several of you, and I'm going to go into that in a second, about organizing where you live so that you can get horrible school board members out, county reps. You can elect mayors. You can uh, have an effect on who your state rep is, who your congressional candidate is. You can do all of that by organizing. And many of you are already doing that. And I will, again, I will enumerate different states and different people that have already gotten in touch with me. And if you want to organize your community uh, and you don't know how to go about it, just let me know. Write me at sandy at afr.net, sandy at afr.net. Let me know who you are, what you have in mind, where you're from. And I'm going to forward this. Uh, We're trying to organize. I'm not me. I'm just being, I'm the conduit here. Yeah, I guess I am trying to get you organized, but I'm not running the the, the operation. And I will send this to um, uh, my uh, uh, Terry. I can't think Terry's like Dietrich in uh, Wisconsin, who is uh, has this great template that they used in Waukesha, and they it resulted in an 85 percent of the seats that they worked to take. They took them 85 percent. Okay, so there is a great template, and we want to share that with you, but you have to write me, and I'll put you in touch with them. That's Sandy at AFR.net. All right, um, oh, 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 okay, I'll come back and talk about that in a second. There's a lot of news this morning. Well, what else is new? And uh, there's so much to, to tell you, so I'll try to slow down and make it as clear as I can. This is Sandy Reels in the morning on AFR Talk. of the time, an abortion-minded mother who views an ultrasound or sonogram of her baby will choose life. Here's the story of Candace. The sonogram sealed the deal for me. My baby was like this tiny little spectrum of hope. And I saw his heart beating on the screen. And knowing that there's life growing inside, I mean, that sonogram changed my life. I went from just Candace to mom. Thank you to everybody that has given these gifts. You guys are giving more than money. You guys are giving love. There are currently preborn centers which do not have an ultrasound machine. Would you sponsor a machine today? Dial pound 250 and say keyword baby. That's pound 250 and say baby. Or go to preborn.com. That's preborn.com. Your love can save a life. This is Pause to Pray. 
a chance each day to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for Jen O'Malley Dillon, White House Deputy Chief of Staff. She serves under the White House Chief of Staff in managing operations for the President. Philippians 2.4 reminds us of the importance of helping others. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask for guidance for Jen O'Malley Dillon in her role as White House Deputy Chief of Staff. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starnes with news and commentary next. If you're a first responder, you know the right training can make all the difference in a crisis. At Liberty University, we know the right training can make all the difference for your future. So we're proud to offer you a 25% discount on our more than 450 online degree programs. Combine this discount with our generous military benefits if you or your spouse also have military experience. Learn more about getting the right training at Liberty University by texting DEGREE to 49595. That's DEGREE to 49595. Superman may be faster than a speeding bullet and more powerful than a locomotive, but he's not strong enough to defeat the social justice race crowd. Warner Brothers announced the next Superman movie will feature a black man of steel. The scriptwriter will also be black, and the movie will be directed by a black director. The Hollywood Reporter says having a white director or writer associated with the project would be tone deaf. It's part of Hollywood's effort to use beloved comic book characters to promote woke causes. Batwoman is a lesbian. They want Spider-Man to be gay. It's a culture war free-for-all. I'm surprised that someone has not accused Warner Brothers of cultural appropriation, seeing how Superman was originally white. Imagine if the next Black Panther turned out to be Caucasian. So, there you have it. Superman is no longer about truth, justice, or the American way. It's only about justice, social justice. I'm Todd Starnes. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. We're continuing as we speak to take uh, incoming rockets. There have been more than 1,500 rockets fired uh, in the last uh, uh, little over 48 hours now, coming up on 60 hours. Uh, what's, what you have to understand, Shannon, is that each of these are, is a double war crime. These are rockets being fired from Gaza, from schools, from hospitals, from mosques, from businesses, from behind civilian populations. And that's one war crime. Then they're being fired here at us in Israel. Uh, I'm in Jerusalem. We've had uh, seven rockets fired at us, but mostly the southern tier in Tel Aviv. But every time they fire, they're firing at civilian population. Uh, and this is another war crime. And so you've got 3,000 war crimes, and yet you don't sense from uh, the UN, for example, a, a clear condemnation of those who are perpetrating this horror. It's a horror show going on, um, Hamas and Islamic Jihad. The world has to be unequivocal. The terror is absolutely unacceptable, and it's not our fault. There's too much going on in, in the media and in politics. Uh, Ilan Omar, for example, accusing us of terrorism. That's nonsense. It's reprehensible. And yet that's where we are. That's Joel Rosenberg. You know, I have said so little about Israel lately, and of course my heart beats there. I, it, it's just sometimes these 
stories come up, and I am wanting to get and do a full coverage of them. And uh, because of all the news, it's hard to do. And I don't want to neglect Israel because they are under attack, tremendous attack. It is the Iron Dome that has been uh, protecting the land. Someone sent me uh, like a cartoonish, but it wasn't a. It's a cartoon. It's a rendering, and it's a. It shows a map, and it shows. Uh, the little tiny state of Israel, and then it shows this huge hand uh, over the top of Israel, and um, it is the Iron Dome. But but it says God, you know, it's God's hand over the cover of Israel. Very moving, sent to me by a Jewish friend, and I think um, the Iron Dome is just this very sophisticated process uh, whereby uh, every every bomb is smart. So it's a very expensive system, or every rocket is smart. I guess we'd say rocket. Um, so when they see when each uh, of their devices detects that there is, and it's all done by computers, detects that something's coming their way, it just without help seeks the the uh, rocket that's coming in and finds it and kill and destroys it in the air. I've, I saw this incredible video years ago of a, an Israeli wedding taking place, and you could see in the sky in the back because it's a distant. It's like you see the bride and groom, and it's like you see the whole panorama. And up in the sky, you see this rocket headed their way. And then you see the Iron Dome rocket going up and and striking it uh, and it going down, you know, in flames. Uh, but the, the wedding proceeds. And it, it uh, I, I actually had a briefing by the guy that um, invented the Iron Dome. It's fascinating. It's fascinating technology. But they have depended on the United States to provide money for the Iron Dome's Congress as done that for years and I don't know honestly at this in this point in conversation I I don't know if we're still doing that or not I know that the Biden administration is talking a good game they called Netanyahu and you know gave lip service but I we we know uh, that the left hates Israel we know the black lives matter hates Israel and they're firmly entrenched in the Biden administration so uh, don't look for the Biden administration to be the savior of Israel don't look for the UN don't look for well who do we look for who do we look for? It was America. America had Israel's back, and I don't think America will have Israel's back. And, and really, honestly, only uh, of course, it's always been the case that only God himself can protect them. But really, right now, physically speaking, in the realm of earth, which is where we live, uh, I don't know who else is going to protect them. And so we need to pray for the people of Israel. And I will do a longer piece on this at a later date, but I didn't want another day to go by without me saying something about what's happening to them right now. And of course, they're fighting back fiercely. They always do. God bless their courage. My Jewish friends have a trouble. They say to me, uh, evangelicals, they understand now. I think I'm speaking broadly, but I do think this is pretty, pretty common. They are finally understanding that Christians, people who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, are not their enemies. They are actually their greatest friends. And in, in Israel, they're, they've come to grips with that. I think that's not always true, and they maybe still have some resentment or uh, they, uh, um, whatever you want to call it. But um, for the most part, the, certainly the Jewish state understands that Christians are their friends, and I think the rank and file do too. But what my Jewish friends can't understand is why Christians don't fight harder. Why do we just roll over? Why do we never get angry? Why uh, angry enough to actually do something? You know, the Jews are striking back as soon as the uh, Hamas sends a rocket in. They, they go back and they retaliate. That was uh, the the flying camels was a group of um, young um, pilots that I met with, uh, who uh, they have perfected this strategic bombing 
of uh, just like they'll they'll target like let's say an apartment on the seventh floor in the Palestinian areas because uh, they know that one of the perpetrators of the bomb or the parents or the family uh, lives in that apartment, and they will go in and warn the neighbors. They have a sophisticated way of warning the neighbors uh, that there's going to be a bombing, and then they do it. They bomb the seventh-floor apartment, and they don't harm the rest of the building. It's pretty amazing. It is incredible technology, but they get retaliation. And so uh, they don't—my Jewish friends don't understand why why don't we fight? Why why do evangelicals just— uh, roll over and play dead on everything just about. Why don't you fight, they say. Why don't you fight? And I think they're right. I actually, I know, I fully understand that we are, we live in a New Testament understanding of God. Uh, we believe in turning the other cheek and a forgiveness. I believe that's a personal admonition, and I believe we should pre- personally practice it. But as a country, that's a different set of rules. Uh, we have to protect our country. Uh, we have to protect our children. It's 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 a different uh, arena, uh, and I think that the Bible makes it clear there is a different arena. Romans eight does, and so when it comes to issues of state, we have to think see things differently. A, a country can't turn the other cheek and let some uh, despotic dictator or horrible power overrun them. Uh, just like we fought back at Hitler, we we knew how to fight then. Uh, we seem to have forgotten how to fight, and that's that's a story for another day. But I I just had to stop and say that. So we need to pray for the people of Israel. Uh, because uh, they are going it alone. They are going it alone. All right, well, I I uh, have gotten some really interesting email from you guys, and I want to mention this, uh, just a few of these, and then I have some other stories to tell you. This is from uh, Julie, and it's kind of sweet. She, uh, I interviewed Ron Yates, uh, the uh, journal, former journalism professor, the dean emeritus at the University of Illinois Law School. I've known Ron for a number of years and um, he was a foreign correspondent in Saigon when it fell. And we did a, a really, I enjoyed it, I hope you thought it was good, uh, a show last Friday on uh, the, the fall of Saigon because it was the anniversary uh, in proximity, not the exact day. Uh, so um, we, we reviewed it and we talked about Vietnam and we explained the war, I think. And so um, Julie responds to this, thank you for your excellent coverage of the fall of Saigon. I was born in 1984. I had uncles that were involved in it, but not necessarily on the front lines. Do please have a part two with your guest, Ron Yates. My father has heard some interesting rumors of communism being lessened there. We would like to know more about what's transpired in Vietnam between the war and now. Yeah, that's a, that's a good uh, suggestion, Julia. I would just say from my own perspective, I was in Vietnam. It's been a long time now, but I was there. Uh, okay, I, I don't have time to go into that and get too detoured, but let me just say that um, communism is alive and well in Vietnam. The, uh, they've not forgotten that they are communists, but they are flourishing economically because they're allowing you know, capitalism to coexist, and that's what China did for a long time too. And that's what fooled, I think, a lot of business people into thinking that China was going to be open and free and we were going to persuade them to be a different kind of um, uh, system of government, but that's not true. The communists play the long game, and uh, even though I think Vietnam is relatively free right now uh, and commerce is allowed to flourish, don't ever think that that doesn't mean that the boot of communism won't be up. They, they never give up, and they're not going to just turn it over. <laughs> they're just not going to do that. It's not going to happen. So it may be a little bit freer now, but that doesn't mean what you think it means. All right, this is, um, this is from David, and he's telling me something. He's reminding me of something. We talked about Dr. Fauci yesterday, remember, if you didn't listen to yesterday's show, I hope you will listen to it. And also look on our Facebook page because we have some 
incredible articles about how Dr. Fauci was involved in this gain-of-function research, which uh, under his auspices at the National Institutes for Health, he was in a different department, but he went around uh, the regulations to fund gain-of-function research in the Wuhan lab. And what that meant was that they would they were trying to experiment with how to make uh, viruses that did come from animals originally, uh, how to mutate them so that they would become um, stronger, more powerful, and affect human beings. Why would they do that? Well, <clears throat> I know what they say. I know what they say. It makes no sense to me, and we see what happened as a result of it. But uh, they say it's because they helps them to understand the virus and the treatment of it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but it all went badly. It went very badly, and it was Wuhan lab employees who first got sick, and then we know the rest of the story. We think, uh, as if the numbers are correct, and I don't believe they are, but they are saying that 3 million people have died of COVID. We certainly know tons of people have died. Too many people have died. And then Anthony Fauci is up to this in his neck. So that's what we talked about yesterday. And so David responds to me yesterday. He's from Iowa. He says um, that he he had read, and it's true, that Dr. Fauci was in the 80s involved in the AIDS research. Uh, and in fact, Dr. Fauci, um, my understanding is, had took the lead on that. And they were trying to find a cure for AIDS. AIDS was a very scary thing in the 80s because uh, they called it the, you know, the gay man's disease because gay men were dying in droves in San Francisco, New York, uh, all the other major metropolitan cities from this horrible uh, disease that was uh, communicated through sexual activity, through the blood, through uh, body fluids. It was it was a frightening time. And so they went into overdrive uh, to try to find some sort of a cure for AIDS. And Anthony, uh, I started to say Hopkins, <laughs> Anthony Fauci was uh, in charge of that, and he was um, very eager to take credit uh, for some kind of a cure for that. But they never did find that cure. They never did find a vaccine. They did find some other drugs to treat it. But, um, yeah, he very well, He, according to experts, he mishandled that whole process. So David wanted to remind me of that, and he's right about that. So why did he end up being over the COVID situation? How did that happen? Well, I can only surmise, I can't tell you, I can only surmise that uh, more bad rhinos in the White House suggested Dr. Fauci, wouldn't it be great? Or, you know, President Trump ran in the circles with Hillary Clinton and Fauci, and they're all good friends. Uh, I'm not, I think President Trump in the past was, even if he didn't like her, uh, they were in the same circle of, uh, you know, important people in the state of New York. And so somebody, maybe his father, his son-in-law, maybe maybe you know, because they're all they're all in the same circles too. Maybe thought, oh, Dr. Fauci, he was such a champion. We should have him. He was very badly advised, and so Dr. Fauci, I think, should go down in infamy. Uh, but we'll see if he actually he actually does. <clears throat> um, this is from um, oh Jenna, Gianna. Uh, and this is what she writes. I always listen to the program from the podcast. You do realize that you can download AFR Talk, the app, AFR Talk, and you can listen live anywhere in the world, or you can listen to the show later at your own convenience. And that's what she's talking about. So if you have a smartphone, you might want to do that, AFR Talk. You can also, of course, go online to AFR.net, and uh, you can listen to the podcast there. But she said, I decided to turn it on this morning for the first time to listen live. I had no idea it was the National Day of Prayer, and I had no idea I needed this so much. The prayers this morning have been what I needed to be in on and what I needed to refresh myself. I needed to be still. 
I had not been recently. My home and marriage needed me to be still. Thank you so much. Ah, Jana, that's beautiful. Gosh, and that's so rewarding. You know, that's how God works, isn't it? That's how God works. He inspired me to put the show together and to be praying for all of you, not knowing your personal circumstances. He inspired the words that I said um, because I asked him to. And and then you happened to tune on, uh, tune in at that day instead of late, later listening to it, just when you needed it. That is how God works. It's amazing how the Holy Spirit, You when uh, the Bible says that God knows uh, the number of the hairs on our head, it's kind of hard to comprehend that. But And so how would the God of the universe know that Jana needed uh, to listen uh, to the National Day of Prayer broadcast from Sandy Rios Live because he knows the number of hairs on our heads. So he knows our thoughts and he knows our needs and he meets them when we are open to that. So that's a great story. Um, this is uh, from uh, Indiana, Lafayette. She, uh, I'm not sure who it is, but if it's a girl or a guy. But um, beautiful morning broadcast today for the National Day of Prayer brought tears to my eyes. I'm so glad I'm reading this because I wanted you to hit this part. This is for you. This is for all of you. I'm so glad you have such wonderful people calling in to your radio broadcast. That's what we did on the National Day of Prayer. You called in and prayed. And so that's um, an incredible compliment to all of you, and I wanted you to hear that. Okay, so uh, this is, um, I want to talk to you a little bit more about this local thing. And I want to do it quickly because I have to. Uh, Gail is from San Clemente, California. She listens every day. She said, we're very conservative here and in Orange County. We, we, have a, we are a pocket of paradise in a very corrupt state. And uh, she sends this quote, in the beginning of a change, the patriot is a scarce man and brave and hated and scorned. When his cause succeeds, the timid join him, for then it costs nothing to be a patriot. That's by Mark Twain. Gail, that's beautiful. Thank you. That's really, really profound. So thank you very much. Um, Oh, so many other things. So many other interesting emails. So much more news. Oh, dearie me. How am I going to do this? I'm just going to do it. So stay tuned. Uh, And I'll be back. I want to tell you some stuff, some more interesting stuff on COVID for you and other things. So stay tuned. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. Hi, this is Pastor Robert Morris. I'm often asked, how do I grow in my relationship with the Lord? How do I hear God? What is God's plan and purpose for me? I want to personally invite you to join me on Sunday mornings right here on AFR for worship and the Word. And we will discover the answer to these questions together. We'll explore the truths found in God's Word that will help you strengthen your faith and develop a more intimate relationship with Him. What would you do? Unsadie, I appreciate your thought behind the gift card, but I just can't take it. I promise not to shop at Target because they allow men in areas that need to be private and protected for women and children. I hope you'll go to afa.net slash Target and learn about it. I'm not giving them my money. Aunt Sadie didn't know about AFA's call to boycott Target, but she knows now, and so do you. Learn even more at afa.net slash Target. afa.net slash Target. 
For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Look briefly at one of your fingers. You've just witnessed one of the greatest displays of God's creative intent there is. No other person in all the world, even an identical twin, shares your fingerprint. God specifically designed each of us to be unique. That means we shouldn't try to carbon copy anyone else in the Christian faith. If God made you an arm in his body or a kneecap, praise be to our glorious God for drawing us to become a part of his body. How freeing it is to realize that we were never meant to copy anyone but Jesus. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Brian Fisher here with today's Life and Liberty Minute. A 2018 study from Germany reveals the importance of family structure for the health of adolescents. It found that adolescents who live in always intact nuclear families have the best self-rated health, the highest scores on health-related quality of life, and the lowest percentage of risky behavior. Family cohesion and belongingness are essential for adolescents. Dads, I've written the Boy to Man book for you to read with your 12-year-old son. It gives you the opportunity to impart to your son the wisdom that Solomon wanted his own son to know, and it will help prepare your son to form a lasting marriage and family of his own. It has counsel for your son on how to manage dating and how to find a wife with whom he can enjoy a satisfying marriage. Order your copy of the Boy to Man book today at afastore.net. That's afastore.net. Catch Brian Fisher on Focal Point, weekday afternoons at 105 Central on American Family Radio. This is Frank Afney with the Secure Freedom Minute. During Barack Obama's first two terms, he made a priority of embracing Palestinian, Iranian, Muslim Brotherhood, and other Sharia supremacists and undercutting Israel. This reckless regional policy conformed to a broader strategy of treating enemies better than friends. Today, in what some call Obama's third term, the Biden-Harris administration is making the same mistake with potentially catastrophic consequences. Having emboldened jihadists from the Houthis in Yemen to the Taliban in Afghanistan to Hamas in Gaza and the mullahs in Iran, we are reaping the proverbial whirlwind. All these U.S. adversaries are attacking our friends with impunity. Joe Biden insists America is back. We're back all right to being perceived as an impotent foe and an unreliable ally, ensuring we'll have more enemies and fewer friends and a vastly more dangerous world. Retired senior military leaders are urging a major course correction. They're absolutely right. This is Frank Gaffney. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Facebook or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. So the question is, it's a great question. What about the fall school year? Um, What's our our direction uh, to the school districts and other schools? Um, And and our our direction is, um, you know, relatively simple. Have a normal school year. Okay. The fantasy goes on to say that kids, it's ridiculous for kids to wear masks, take those off, and just have a normal life, basically. So, 
God bless Ron DeSantis for Florida, and I keep playing clips from him. I told you I could do a whole show just on Ron DeSantis, I think, every day with all the things he's doing right now. Uh, But the theme continues about local control. That is a governor. That's a state governor. Very different than what's happening in Washington. Uh, You know what? The electricity here is kind of giving us some problems, so you're going to hear some beeps. I hope it doesn't drive you crazy. Um, This, uh, by the way, speaking of local control, this is from Susan in uh, West Palm Beach, Florida. She listens every day, and she said that she's uh, gotten involved for the first time, and she attended uh, Trump events locally, went to Washington, D.C. twice. Uh, uh, She was there on January 6th, and she said, by God's grace, I did not go to the Capitol, but just the rally on the 6th. And she talks about how she got to know the people there. It's a community of like-minded patriots, at least here in Palm Beach. I have also met other individuals that have informed me about local and state issues and a way to get involved. It is about networking, asking people what they are doing, and if I find someone without a God assignment, then I share with them what I'm doing and how I found my missions. So she says she gives a lot more helpful information, but she is um, getting organized in West Palm Beach, and uh, that continues the theme. I want to mention that there's... um, This is John from Tulsa, and John says, uh, I'm currently part of a local city elders group in my area. Uh, He said, it's a movement anchored in Christ and calling the Christian church, business, and civic leaders back to obedience and subjection to Christ Jesus. But he, he wants to get organized in Tulsa, and so he's writing, so I'm putting him in touch with Terry Dietrich, uh, and um, if you are in any state or any locality, and you want to take back your city governments, governance, your county, your state, uh, then there is a template, and it's a great one. And so if you will send me a heads up on that at sandy at AFR.net, I will make sure Terry Dietrich gets it, and he will contact you, and uh, he'll, he'll kind of give you some guidance on how to get started. But you can see from our, our listener in West Palm Beach that she uh, just found a group of like-minded people, and then they started talking to her about state and local government. It's about relationships, and it it can happen. If you really want it to happen, it can happen. Always remembering, always remembering that if you are a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, that is your first calling. I am not saying they are not mutually exclusive. They are not, but you can't get things mixed up. And um, you also just a word of caution from someone who's been doing this for years. Never forget what's most important. Never forget. Don't lead with your politics. Lead with your Lord. Uh, don't, don't, don't try to force people into bending to your will on issues. Talk to them about Jesus, and the, the issues come up later, but that's not the thing we lead with. Um, not personally. I mean, you might lead with it in a rally or something. Uh, so, um, anyway, okay, so let me go back to, this is from Pete, and he said, I want you to know we are doing the very same thing you're reporting right here in Savannah, Georgia. Um, uh, friends of ours, Mike and Sarah, both veterans, first held weekly classes on our Constitution and then organized the Savannah Freedom Exchange and the Chatham County Patriots. Um, We hold weekly meetings of various groups. Our immediate focus is retaking our local Republican Party. Just wanted to let you know. And uh, so that's great. That's just great. Congratulations to you guys. And so keep in touch and let me know, you know, what's going on with that. But um, sounds like you don't need uh, our help, like you've got it all set, and I'm so glad. I mean, there are other ways to do it, of course. So um, every state is different. This is uh, from... uh, 
Chesterfield, Virginia, and this is uh, Renee, and she wants to get involved there. She wants to organize their county. Uh, she is interested in organizing to do a recount, and she's asking me if if anyone's doing that down in Chesterfield, Virginia. If anyone's listening and knows about some recount in Virginia, let me know. I don't I don't know right offhand. I would say uh, if uh, that's if uh, there is no effort, which there probably isn't, uh, you should approach your county officials and tell them what you intend. I would first try to form a group of friends. You can just be friends at first as you are like-minded and you want you think there should be a recount because you suspect that things were not what they should have been. And uh, once you do that, you approach your county officials as a group. You also should get your state rep involved and just build kind of some synergy here. And I, that's, how I, that's what I would recommend, Renee. This is, uh, from, um, this is from Paul. And, uh, oh, he spoke at, uh, on January 6th to a Chinese, a group of Chinese. Actually, no, I don't know if they were Chinese, but he was asked to give a speech to the rally by a Chinese pastor. And he basically says this, Pete says, Paul says, sorry that uh, he thinks of it as a, in the acronym GAP, GAP, gather the church physically, not virtually. In Matthew 16, it says, they gathered on the confession that Jesus is the Christ and the gates of hell will not prevail against us. And then A, arm yourselves. First Peter 4, 1, arm yourselves with the attitude of Christ's suffering. When we gather, there is going to be suffering, so be prepared with God's armor. And then P, the last part of GAP, G-A-P, pray. If my people, not all people, this is for the church, maybe uh, he's, uh, that's this famous passage, if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways and seek my face, then will I hear from heaven and heal their land. That's the verse. And he says, we need to pray. And maybe your pastor won't gather. You are called to find believers to gather with, sometimes publicly, like we were that day to pray. And so uh, that, that's a good recommendation, Paul, for all the people now who are talking about organizing in their local locality. I have to say to you, um, in all of my years in D.C., in organizations and groups and leading organizations, precious few of the meetings I ever attended opened in prayer. Precious few, even among Christians. And uh, it was ama- amazing to me. And so uh, now that I'm still very involved in D.C., in um, uh, d- different entities, I have asked in those entities that we pray. We've been doing it probably for about eight years now. We pray to open and we pray to close because the stuff we talk, and they're not all Christians, or at least different different levels of different understandings of what that means, and some are Jewish. Uh, and so we, but honor God in our prayers. And it's, uh, it's, I think there's a, I think there's power in that. There's power in humility before God. And I can see the fruit of that. And so that's what I would do, do as a non-negotiable. And you don't have to force people. It's not forcing. It's the individual person. I, when I, in my prayer, I always say, and I pray this. I pray. I pray this in Jesus' name. You don't have to agree with me, but I pray this in Jesus' name. And so um, just another uh, suggestion for you. This is, um, oh, this is from uh, Marianne, and she is in um, uh, Bellingham, Washington, yeah, you know what, uh, Marianne, I've been to Bellingham. By Bellingham, my kids used to live in Vancouver for 10 years. And when I'd fly from D.C., we would often fly into Seattle and drive a car. So we went right by Bellingham. Uh, so I know exactly where you are. 
She says there's been a big controversy over a kindergarten teacher reading a book that about transgenderism called I Am Jazz to kindergartners. When parents found out about this, they were disturbed and emailed the teacher. The teacher responded saying, yes, I did read this book. And we work hard to support all members of our community through promoting inclusion. Parents were outraged, so they went to the school board, and the members of the Bellingham School Board did nothing. Further investigation was done. It turns out that the president of the school board owns a sex shop. Her name is Jennifer Mason, for all ages, but primarily serves those age 16 and above. Sandy, I live in this school district with a young child, and I, along with other parents, are concerned nothing is being done about this type of behavior. What do we do? Uh, So, Mariana, you're new. I can see that your eyes are open for the first time. This is not new, really. The schools have been uh, deteriorating. The school boards have been ruling in horrible ways now for decades. And uh, you thought that your school was safe and you thought your child was safe, but that has not been true in a long time. It's just, but it's getting worse. And so this is what you need to do. You need to organize other parents, even if it's just one other parent. Their parents are concerned, then you guys organize and meet. And you choose people that you think would be good school board members. And you get in there and start working to get them um, elected. You pull your resources. Uh, you go door to door and you knock. You create flyers. Uh, you talk about why the other person, don't be uh, the nice thing. If, they, if they're voting for this, they're not nice. So don't try to be nice. Call them out on it. Call them out and get the bad members out and uh, get the good members in. And that's how you do it. Uh, and also, don't don't be shy about confronting the teacher. Don't worry about how they're going to teach your child or treat your child. I know that's always a concern of parents, but listen, I can tell you by experience, if you go in and confront the teacher, not disrespectfully, and not teaching your child to disrespect the teacher, but your child knows that you are standing up for something right. They may be embarrassed, but you are teaching them a lifetime lesson that they will never forget. You should talk to my son, my poor son. Can you imagine being my my son? Uh, well, okay, so you can imagine it. Uh, uh, but I know that I taught my son the the lessons of um, taking a bold stand and taking the heat from it. And so um, that's what you that's what you can do. I hope that helps, Marianne. Okay, um, let's see. I wanted to tell you a few things. Uh, I know Liz Cheney, Liz Cheney. I guess I should play that clip. I don't want to get sidetracked. Uh, that's important, but with all the issues happening in the world, it's not as important as other things. But let's hear. Liz Cheney was booted uh, as conference leader uh, yesterday by the Republicans, and uh, now they're having an election, I think, today to uh, nominate a new conference leader. But this is what Liz said when she came out of that meeting. Let's listen. I uh, am absolutely committed, as I said last night, uh, as, as I said just now to my colleagues, uh, that we must go forward uh, based on truth. We cannot both uh, embrace the big lie and embrace the Constitution. And going forward, uh, the nation needs it. The nation needs a strong Republican Party. Uh, the nation needs a party that, uh, that is based upon fundamental principles of conservatism. And I am committed and dedicated to ensuring uh, that that's how this party goes forward, and I plan to lead the fight to do that. I will do uh, everything I can to ensure uh, that uh, the former president never again gets anywhere near the Oval Office. We have seen the danger uh, that he continues to provoke with his language. 
Uh, we have seen his lack of commitment and dedication to the Constitution, uh, and I think it's very important that we make sure whomever we elect is somebody who will be faithful to the Constitution. Last question. All right, so I'm just I'm ridiculous. I, I can't believe it. That is just so uh, – look, this is dangerous uh, because what Liz just said is that you, the notion – and we just spent a good part of the show, the, the, certainly the opening, talking about – the questionable practices in the 2020 election. Let's just talk about Maricopa County alone. I've talked about other counties, the county in uh, Michigan, the other other places, uh, Pennsylvania. She is she is a dreamer. She either that or she is in t- she hates Trump so much that she is her thinking is just distorted. We have every reason to believe that the 2020 election was unfair and probably stolen. It is not a big lie. And so she says that we have to choose between uh, embracing the big lie and the Constitution. Are you kidding me, Liz? I, and, and then also she talks about President Trump, I'll do whatever I can to keep him from coming back to the Oval Office uh, and uh, reintroducing the danger of his language. Oh, yeah, because his language uh, was, you know, shutting down the pipelines and creating gas shortages. And his language was causing uh, transgenderism and hormones to stop being prescribed to children. And his language, look, uh, he was stopping Planned Parenthood from receiving uh, money, tax dollars. He did so many good things. He, uh, Liz, what is the matter with you? What is the matter with you? She cannot be the spokesperson for the Republican Party. Uh, and so they have removed her. It is not about President Trump. It is about uh, constitutionality. It's about being constitutional, about being right and wrong. And now, thanks to Liz Cheney and her uh, her uh, agree, agree agreeing and voting to impeach President Trump, who was withholding, he was upholding the rule of law. Think about the police in the streets. Think about law and order. Think of the damage that she has done by undermining what he was actually doing, and now by calling uh, what is actually true a big lie, dangerous, horrible. I'm glad she's out. Now we'll see what happens. Chip Roy wants to run, uh, but uh, Elsie Stefanik, Ellie Stefanik, uh, is a rhino. But uh, they're all keen on her. They like her. So that's probably who's going to get it today. Sandy Rios in the morning, AFR Talk. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.